creating the space to hear from those that work with children, young people and families from within our Baptist family and other experts. Joining the dots with Emma Moore and Claire Hooper. Welcome everybody for our very first podcast, Joining the Dots. And uh, Emma, I'm really interested. We came up with the name um, Joining the Dots. What was all that about? And what would your hopes be for this podcast? Well, Claire, it's just brilliant, isn't it, that we're able to do this and we're able to engage with so many people. And Joining the Dots is all about how we build relationships, how we build community between church, between schools and between homes. CYF, so Children, Youth and Family Roundtable. We've been calling uh, lots of our publications and our material Joining the Dots for years. And as we started looking at these podcasts, we were looking at how do we build community between all those working with children, young people and families, whether that's at home, whether that's in our schools or whether that is in our churches. And so here we are joining the dots. And I mean, I'm really excited about it because there's so many beautiful, wonderful people out there that are kind of loving our children and families and our young people and serving them so faithfully and it feels like we're part of this kind of community and this gives us a real opportunity to kind of maybe foster that and to continue those conversations so I know that we're going to be like talking to loads of people from within our Baptist family because we've got so many skilled people out there doing this stuff but we're also going to be talking to what we might call experts or experts in their field um, from charities other other denominations and it'd be great to hear from them what are, what are kind of what are you looking forward to oh I'm just looking forward to hearing stories stories of how different people in different areas of ministry have been working with children young people and families and, and how they've had these experiences of God in all sorts of different ways uh, and, you know, certainly this first series, we're looking at all things to do with schools. You know, we're, we're in September, schools are starting back, uh, restrictions from COVID are all lifting and, and people are able to get back in or have been doing things differently. And just hearing some of those stories of how we can engage in our communities, how we can engage in our schools and those relationships that are taking place. Uh, it just thrills me. It just really excites me. I can't wait to hear what some of the people we've got lined up to interview are going to be telling us. Now, I know that our first person that we're going to be chatting to, or you spoke with him, is Phil. Yeah. And I'm really um, looking forward to hearing what he's got to say, because he's going to be talking about prayer spaces in schools, both primary school, middle school, secondary school, all the different schools. And I just think this is one of the most amazing ministries that's happened over these past, I don't know, has it been about 10 years or so? So I'm really looking forward to hearing that. I've run some prayer spaces and it never ceases to amaze me what the young people say about them, how they've never had the chance to think about those big things before or how they've never had the space and stillness just to kind of be because their lives are all so busy. So I'm really looking forward to hearing what he has to say. So I'm here today with Phil from Prayer Spaces in Schools. Phil, thanks ever so much for joining with me this morning. It's lovely uh, to be here. Fantastic. Phil, I wonder, um, we're going to sort of launch straight in, if that's okay with you. Yes. Um, 
I wonder if you could tell us some of what Prayer Spaces in Schools is all about, how it came into being, and sort of what your role is within Prayer Spaces in Schools. Sure, I don't know how if I can answer the last bit, but certainly the first two bits, that would be fine. Um, prayer Spaces in Schools is part of the 24-7 prayer movement. Um, so it's like a, a child of... <laughs> 24-7 prayer and it's about 14 years old now so it's now a teenage child of 24-7 prayer um, I've been working with 24-7 prayer since uh, 2005 I said I'd work for one year with 24-7 and I'm still here so hijacked is the word that you hear from lots of 24-7 prayer staff um, and in many ways prayer spaces in schools is it, I mean it carries all the same DNA as a 24-7 prayer room in a church, which perhaps many of our listeners would will be familiar with, you know, a, a room that's set aside um, for people to come and use creatively. They can communicate, they can pray in all sorts of creative ways, not just with words. Um, a prayer room in a church is open to everyone. Um, there aren't there aren't really the kind of cultural rules of engagement that there perhaps are in many of our church meetings um, it's open to anyone whether they have faith or not they, they come and, and, and engage in their own way and they encounter God um, and, and in many ways a prayer space in a school has that same DNA slightly more structured in the sense that a prayer space in a classroom or, or wherever it's situated in the school will probably have a series of activities, themed activities, um, and perhaps we'll come on to that a little bit more in a moment, um, and classes would come to that, uh, that prayer space with their teacher, um, local team from the church would be hosting that prayer space, and the pupils would get to explore the activities, whether they have faith or not, um, the activities are deliberately designed to welcome them um, and, and invite them to participate. So, as I say, very similar in, in its kind of DNA. The first prayer spaces kind of happened by accident. Uh, back in 2007, 2008, I was um, working as national director for 24-7 prayer at the time. Um, but as a youth worker, kind of youth worker evangelist, I was kind of, there was a certain amount of frustration in me there's the youth worker in me was sort of sulking in the corner of my life um and so when we heard stories in fact of four places around England in different places right in the Gateshead, Colchester, um, Chichester and Farnham in Surrey four places where people had had experience of 24-7 prayer rooms and then they were either teachers or schools workers and kind of taking the values and the principles as I've just described and fitted them into a classroom. And of those first four, two were primary schools, two were secondary schools, two were church schools, two were state schools. So, and they all happened within a few weeks of one another, unknown to one another. That was the, the crazy thing. And, and, and I don't know how these things work for you, Emma, but my radar starts pinging when those sort of coincidences happen. Mm -hmm. um, and so we just got in touch with the four groups of people that had run those prayer spaces and grilled them with all sorts of questions you know what did you do uh, how did you get permission to do what you did because frankly at that time and I heard these stories and I was thinking 
that's not possible. How can you how can you run? How can you turn a classroom into a prim? I don't even understand how that's possible to do. And so we were, we were sort of grilling them with these questions. What did you do? How did you get permission to do it? What did you actually put in this prayer space? Because they only lasted for a few days. Um, what did the pupils say and how did they respond to it? Especially the pupils who are probably not familiar with church or prayer and, and probably thought this was just a really weird lesson. Um, and, and also, what did the staff say? Because sometimes, understandably, staff are a little bit, resistant to over enthusiastic christians uh, like us um and so having gathered back all that feedback and realized there was so much resonance between these stories it was just how do i describe it it was one of those holy moments you know that tingle down your spine moment when you you realize okay something's just shifted in this conversation we've just we've probably just stumbled into something that god's sneezed into being here you know um and now we need to be really careful not to mess it up <laughs> and and as is often the way i think with the way that god works god god often sovereignly starts things you know chucks a pebble into the pond ripples start happening but because god is so relational it's like god says right i've started something but i'm not going to carry on unless you join in <laughs> you know i want some stewards i want some friends I, god does things in relationship and so that's what it felt like it felt like god had kind of chucked some pebbles into the pond bit and and then said come on, let's play let's do some things together so four prayer spaces that first year we wrote the stories onto the 24 7 prayer website and people started emailing and have you got resources uh, no uh, and, and really excitingly we had a few emails from people saying i can't believe what i've just read i've been thinking about this for five years you know it was that kind of confirmation that this is something that god was up to um and so there were 12 prayer spaces the second year there were 48 the year after that the year after that there was 100 and that was probably 2011 2010 2011 and i think that was the point that we realized a this thing is not going away um b by then we had we we were getting sort of head teachers who weren't christians coming to try and find the stories and find information and they were coming to the 24 7 prayer website which is full of all sorts of weird and wonderful prayer stuff and so they were understandably puzzled about <laughs> what this thing is so we realized okay we need to set up a website that's really just devoted to prayer spaces in schools and looks a bit schoolsier do you know what I mean? It does, doesn't hide its, its Christian values and theology at all, but it's it uses the language that that um, that schools would use. We need a team of people who are a little bit more uh, kind of understand schools more than I do. I, I still feel a bit like a pretender as a as a youth worker, <laughs> um, and so really that's when prayer spaces in schools as a thing was was born we got a name i remember we were sitting in a cafe in paddington station where we were rummaging through logo designs and we're like this is a thing now isn't it <laughs> and so like bringing it up to date we prayer space in the schools uh now as a national core team um the regional network as champions who who support and encourage prayer spaces around the uk there have been prayer spaces that we've tracked and supported in more than 30 nations worldwide. 
we've got national teams in Malta and Germany and Austria and the Netherlands and it's emerging in Australia and the States at the moment. Um, and it's a, at a conservative estimate, we, we reckon at least a million children and young people have experienced a prayer space in this school. Um, and the vast majority of those have never prayed a personal prayer before they walked into that prayer space. They might have been familiar with prayer. They might have, I don't know, prayed a prayer in an assembly or something like that. But to talk with God, who they might not even believe is really there. You know, you, it's, it's just brilliant when you read these little post-it notes. I'm an atheist, but <laughs> if you're there, God. You've got tens of thousands, possibly hundreds of thousands of children, and young people who are trying prayer. Mm. And, you know, I don't believe that God waits for the right words before God responds to those. That, that, that kind of tentative, if are you, you there, God, I'm hurting God. Mm. I'm worried. I'm fearful. I'm grateful. I don't know who to be grateful for. You know, I we've got that little verse in the bible where, where i think it's in james isn't it draw near to god and god draws near to you i think we we kind of see it as two equal and opposite parts of an equation but it doesn't work like that as we take the tiniest little step towards god god rushes mm. the miles to meet us you know and i think that's what's been happening in prayer space over these last 14 years there's been little tentative steps that children and young people and staff and parents are often taken in these prayer spaces and and time and time again god rushes to meet them in unexpected ways that was a really long answer to your intro question sorry <laughs> no that is absolutely fantastic and just to hear you know i love that phrase you know god sneezed it into being <laughs> I, I i need to nab that because that is just fantastic because it is isn't it it's about joining in with god's mission absolutely and, absolutely and, and we don't have a mission we and i think sometimes as churches we spend our eons trying to come up with mission statements but god's got a mission statement and and our task is to join in with gods you know we see it we see it throughout jesus's life and certainly throughout the the epistles as well and, and perhaps paul puts it best that we we have a ministry of reconciliation god's mission is to reconcile all things under christ that's the goal to bring it all together so our task is to is to join in with it and a lot of joining in with things is is about building relationships isn't it um, and and uh, so many of our churches, especially within the Baptist circles, I'm, I'm, I'm using that just because that's our denomination, but I'm sure that's with every uh, denomination of church. We all spend time thinking about how we can engage. How do we engage with our community? How do we engage with our schools? What would you say is the most important aspect of relationship building with our schools? Uh, that's a great question. I, is it Keith Green in his book, No Compromise? This is going back before my time, of course, because I'm still a youngster. Um, in his book, No Compromise, he, he sort of paraphrases Jesus's commission, you know, go and make disciples. But then he adds, he said nothing about coming back. Mm. Um, I do, forgive me for this, I, this might be a caricature, but I think we, we almost have a kind of fortress uh, kind of view of the church 
we build our castles and we drop a drawbridge and we send out a mission team to go and do something. Um, uh, you know, we do a mission week in the local town. We go and do a mission event in the local school and we see if we can capture a few people and drag them back and pull the drawbridge up and then we kind of shove them in an alpha course or something. You know, I'm ca forgive me, I'm caricaturing, but you know what I mean? Is our focus, our centre of gravity is the church fortress. We're not called to build the church. That's Jesus's job. Our calling, our task is to seek first the kingdom, which is always going. It's always on the move. So I, I think our calling as local churches is to audit our communities. Where can we go and seek first the kingdom of heaven? Where can we go and seek first goodness and kindness and forgiveness and generosity and hope and faith and healing and transformation and all of this stuff where can we go and bring out those god colors bring out those god flavors and the only way to do that is by going there and staying there you know mm. i think we've, we've got this obsession of going and then coming back again but jesus never invites us to come back he's just go just go and stay and you know i love that is, is it luke chapter 10 where jesus sends out the disciples says go into every town that you uh, and when you're there eat what's set, you know enter the homes bless the homes eat what's set before you heal the sick tell them the kingdom of god is there there's some there's a trajectory mm. to mission um and so relationship building is authentic because what we what we want to do what we're called to do is go and be a blessing we have to go and find out what the needs are in our communities and then do absolutely everything we can to bring the kingdom to bear there so i often say to to churches that um that, that inquire about running prayer spaces in their in their local schools our, our response is always are you already involved in a long-term relationship with that school you're already involved in two assemblies are you you know some of your the members of your church are they helping to staff lunch hours are they baking cakes for the teachers you know what are you doing already what kind mm -hmm. of are you praying for that school perhaps that's a good place to start um and if not are you committed to doing that because if you're not please don't do a prayer space frankly i don't think the school will say yes anyway because it's it's quite a big ask to to trust a bunch of local volunteers from a church to take over a classroom for a week and host something that is going to raise some sort of pastoral issues and questions and spiritual searching it's going to that is what it's going to do it's quite a big ask if there isn't already a relational bridge um but where there is a relational bridge a prayer space is fantastic because what it does is it reveals to the school some of the need that they they weren't aware of now schools obviously staff are, are well aware of lots of things but almost without fail without exception the feedback we've had from prayer spaces is at the end school saying this has been fascinating we had no idea there was anxiety around those areas we had no idea how much bullying was an issue in our school um you know all sorts of things pastoral issues get revealed plus i think for some schools they're unaware of the if i can put it this way the spirituality of the pupils i've lost count of the number of times i've spoken to a member of staff prior to a prayer space 
uh, and heard them say something like, our kids aren't going to be into this sort of thing because they're just, they're not interested in spiritual stuff. And then after one lesson, you know, they're kind of like, what? wow, I'm really surprised. I'm really surprised at some of the questions they're asking and, and, the, and the things they're talking about that they've experienced here in the prayer space or even in their lives prior to this. And it's no surprise to us, is it? Because we believe that every, every human being is made in the image of God. And, and there's, some, there's a part of us that's longing, that's hungry for that, for awakening. You know, I, I, and I don't know about you, but I think that's what Jesus is doing. When I read the Gospels, Jesus seems deliberately vague sometimes in the way that he communicates to people. He tells ambiguous stories that could be taken in all sorts of different directions. Was he a bad communicator? I mean, even his own disciples didn't understand some of what he was talking about. We get these funny little interludes, don't we, where the disciples are going, hmm, he said that thing about the yeast because we forgot to bring the bread this time. And <laughs> was Jesus a bad communicator? No, his purpose wasn't to kind of give a very detailed doctrinal explanation of things. What he was doing was awakening hunger and thirst. He was stirring something up so that people wanted to follow you know in a way in, in a just in a small way i think that's exactly what prayer spaces do they don't teach the a to z of how to pray then they don't teach the a to z of what it means to become a christian or be a christian what they do is they awaken something they give validity and permission to that hunger that longing for reconciliation that we have inside each one of us and what they do is they present these local christians as a source of truth and hope and reconciliation as well so prayer space is also revealed to churches what they have to offer so it's absolutely essential that the church doesn't wave goodbye at the end of the prayer space see you next year or next term but that at the end of every prayer space, there, there needs to be some kind of meeting between those from the school leadership team and those who've been running the prayer space. Yeah, right. This is what we observed. These were the big themes pastorally, spiritually that came up during the prayer space. Here's a few anecdotes. Here are some of our concerns as well. And here are five ways that we as a local church would love to continue to serve you. Mm. Yeah. We'd love to do an after-school club or, you know, a lunchtime club. Or There were lots of big questions that the students were asking. How about we do a lunchtime club based around the students' questions? Uh, mm. You know, it's just an alpha course in another name, except that it's come from the young people. You know, I think our mistake sometimes as the church is we have our own curriculum. You know, we have our own message and we, we're desperately trying to find a way to lever it in to people's mm -hmm. lives rather than which i think is a much more effective way is go and listen go and ask some questions go and listen find out what's going on in the lives of children and young people and school staff and parents people in our communities and then figure out what's what's jesus have to say what would it look like for the kingdom of god to come here um, because there are all sorts of opportunities people are hungry for meaning, for purpose, for hope, generosity, for kindness. And we have all of that stuff to offer in Jesus. 
sorry, I don't know, what was the question? Yeah, no, <laughs> it was all about relationship building yeah. and, uh, and, and getting, and, and you've answered it brilliantly because it is that whole, if yeah. you're not in relationship with the school, long-term, this is about yeah. longevity and commitment and being church in that place, yes. not expecting people to come to you, but you, I think your terminology was was moving your centre of gravity. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when we look back historically, the the, the old monasteries, you know, very historically, the, the, the monks built monasteries usually at crossroads, uh, forks in rivers, places where the community gathered and 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 often church buildings were were built there too but our communities have shifted around often the church buildings they're not in the center anymore they might be in the center geographically but they're not in the center where people meet so either there was strategy back there that we've perhaps lost now if we want to transform our local communities we need to position ourselves in the place where the river of our community flows we're better than schools. We're better than the, the, the institution through which the community flows. Now, I, I get that it's slightly more difficult in cities than it is in rural contexts, but I still think the principle holds true. We need to shift our centre of gravity out of our fortresses and into our communities and stay there and seek first the kingdom of God and let Jesus build his church. Absolutely. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. So... You've, you've talked and you've sort of said about this relationship and how the staff potentially sometimes uh, start to uh, have a greater understanding, even though their understanding was high to begin with, but they sort of come with this sort of, we didn't realise. Um, so in your experience, what have been some of the real highlights of witnessing young people and children engaging with prayer spaces in schools? Oh, wow. How long have we got? <laughs> as long as you need years of highlights oh wow there's just there's so many stories i remember um a an re teacher called mr gray uh a school in romford where i used to live uh the head teacher of that school wanted a prayer space to happen this is a state secondary school uh he wasn't so sure about the idea but because the head had decided yeah we should do this prayer space um he said, OK, and it had to happen in his classroom. So his classroom got hijacked for the week and then classes came for their lesson, their RE lesson, uh, which was then hosted by a team of volunteers. I think there were some scripture union workers as well as volunteers from local churches. And um, I went to visit this prayer space on the Friday and got to sit and talk with with Mr. Gray. And it was absolutely fascinating because he said he ended up writing us a long email um, afterwards. But basically, he said this. I, he said, I've real I've been reminded of what I came into teaching for. Um, I, I kind of assumed that the kids in my classes weren't really going through stuff. But during this week, I've realized how much they are. And it's reminded me why I got into teaching in the first place. I wanted to change lives for good. Um, and then he said, it's also awakened, and he said it with a bit of a smile on his face, it's awakened my own spiritual life. You know, years and years ago, I used to go to church, but I kind of thought it was irrelevant and I haven't been back for a long time. But just watching the, my, my own students here and doing some of the prayer activities myself, I've, I've realised 
that there's something in here I need to pursue. And so he actually joined one of the volunteers and went and did a, an alpha course in the local local church. And it, so it awakened something yeah. for him. And I did often say to churches don't forget prayer spaces aren't just for pupils i remember being in a primary school in um annick a little bit north of where i live i live in the uh, just north of newcastle and i went up to visit a primary school prayer space and what they did the prayer space was open for a week um but what they'd done on the thursday they'd invited parents to come and visit after school so primary schools obviously parents usually can pick up their kids a little bit easier to do something like this and so what they'd said to the children was if your parents come to pick you up on Thursday you're welcome to bring them back to the prayer space volunteers from the church will be hosting but really you kids you show your parents around um and again I, I went to visit and I remember watching this little girl bring her mom's really smartly dressed mother in some businesswoman of some kind she had a blackberry phone it was a little while ago I had a blackberry phone in her hand and as her daughter was sort of taking her around showing her the activities she was kind of looking at her phone a bit but it didn't last long with it all credit to her she put her phone back in, in into her bag and they slowed right down and I was keeping my eye on them they went around these different activities there was one brilliant activity called fizzy forgiveness um it was a they had a huge jar of water and you could break up little vitamin c tablets and you know think of something that you wanted to say sorry for that you wanted to let go of that you realize i need some forgiveness for this and this little girl sort of tugged her mum's like kneel down with me mum think of something that you've done wrong <laughs> you know and this mum oh, okay <laughs> drops her fizzy tablet in but as she as the two of them came to leave the room about half an hour later you could see that this just the woman's face her expression had changed and she as she passed me she just she went wow i think i've had an epiphany and then walked out <laughs> you know i don't know what that epiphany was but i think something something was awakened in her you know i i love the moments that at the end of a lesson we always encourage those that are running prayer space lessons to gather the children young people back together at the end uh, of the lesson to just do a little bit of feedback you know, what what prayer activities did you like what did you find difficult uh did anything surprise you um did you have any new, new thoughts or feelings as a result of this experience it's a good thing to do i think because children and young people often aren't very good at reflecting they're not they they get experience overload in their lives but to try and make sense of those experience experiences is sometimes quite tricky so even that those questions are important and it's really good for them to hear one another's mm. responses as well because often the quieter ones the less confident ones will hear someone else saying the thing that they wanted to say and it validates yeah. what they're feeling i'm not the only one um you know, I, I remember a, a child in one of the schools, there was a there was an activity, again, it was to do with them saying sorry. They're not all to do with saying sorry. Um, it was, in fact, they had a bin. I, I'm really glad that the organisers of this prayer space refrained from calling it a sin bin. Uh, <laughs> it's been unhelpful religious language, but there we go. Um, but it was really simple. Write the thing that you want to say sorry for. Tear it up. Pop it in the, in the bin. 
and um this this girl had put her hand up you know i did that activity and i it was weird because i felt all warm and tingly you know i I felt this lightness it was really strange and she clearly this you know there was a sort of shock to this feeling she something physiological had happened to her and um i said wow that's so interesting isn't it do you know what um i don't know if you've ever read the bible but there's some letters some little letters right near the back and one of them's written by a guy called um called john and he says this thing um that god is faithful and not only does he forget when we confess stuff when we say sorry for stuff not only is god faithful and in forgiving us but he he also heals us that's what john says he also heals us something actually gets removed changed in us i wonder i wonder if that's if that's what you're feeling <laughs> this girl sort of kind of nudging her friends next oh, yeah, me, maybe that was it you know it's just these yeah. wonderful moments i, I remember um, there's an activity uh, to do with self-image it involves a big mirror um, stood up in a corner of a room perhaps with a, some sheets hanging around it to make a little bit more of a personal space and and often pupils go and stand in front of that mirror and they read positive quotes from celebrities and from the bible and and the question a bit at the bottom of the mirror is what if these statements were more true than the things you feel about yourself just pause and for a moment and look at yourself the number of of pupils who who turn around and seem to walk a little bit taller as they as they leave the mirror or say things like oh I've, I've never looked at myself like that before you know these are really just simple activities they're simple questions um but they're potentially life-changing and hundreds and hundreds thousands and thousands of children and young people have had experiences like this most of which we know nothing about mm. you know it's only the the rare few that we get to hear those little anecdotes as little bits of reflection but holy spirit is at work in their lives in all kinds of extraordinary ways so it's such a privilege i've learned now emma that um that children and young people don't really need to talk to me i think the first few prayer spaces i was involved in uh, helping to host i was just i was a pain i was interrupting all the time i'd be like there lurking behind the the child or the young person oh do you like the activity oh what, what have you written oh what do you think about this what is your big question for god you know just mm -hmm. interfering all the time perhaps because i naively arrogantly thought they need my help or oh, god needs my help <laughs> no it's all right holy spirit i've got this one I, I know what to do i've been trained don't forget. i've been on evangelism training courses don't forget i know how to do this stuff you know and but pretty quickly fortunately thankfully um i've realized that the holy spirit is remarkably good at this there's a reason why jesus calls the holy spirit comforter counselor because holy spirit is incredibly good at comforting counseling guiding encouraging transforming healing that's you know our task is to set the conditions yeah. 
I'll just I'll just finish this answer, whatever your question was. But I read a, a, a brilliant quote from a guy called Henry Nowon um, uh, from a book called Wounded Healer. Mm. And he says this is quite challenging for us as a church. He says this. I'm afraid that in a few decades, the church will be accused of having failed at its most basic task, offering people creative ways to commune with the source of life. I'll say it again. I'm afraid that in a few decades, the church will have failed, will be accused of having failed at its most basic task, offering people creative ways to commune with the source of life. I think we thought our most basic task was just to tell people stuff. Most of our structures, our discipleship structures, our evangelism structures, even our pastoral structures are wording. We turn everything into a course. We, we, we expand it into a 45 minute talk. <laughs> you know, we bombard people with words. And of course there's a place for teaching and preaching. But I have a hunch that Henry Nowen's right. It's not our most basic task. Our most basic task is to create environments is to make space, is to set the conditions. And often that involves creativity because we are so obsessed with words, we've almost become immune to words. And often we need art and action and we, we need things to engage with, that engage our other senses to sort of dip below words sometimes. We need to create those sort of conditions so that people commune with the source of life. They bump into Jesus that's what I think we're doing with prayer spaces we're sitting a room up with post-it notes and mirrors and torn up cardboard there's nothing magical about any of this stuff but we're doing our best to set things up and pose questions and pray like crazy that Holy Spirit will fill this place and the crazy thing is the God who is everywhere is sometimes somewhere and and that's that's one of the really exciting things I I love to hear when I'm running prayer spaces, and you often get this when you're running a prayer space for a week, over a period of a few days. The classes that arrive at the start of the week often describe it like, wow, it looks like Christmas in here. It looks so pretty. I love the fairy lights. Whoa, what have you done to my RE room or my <laughs> geography room or whatever? It looks amazing. It's all, what can they see? Mm. Almost without fail, the classes that arrive for their first visit later on in the week will walk in and they'll go, oh, it feels so peaceful in here. Yeah. It's so interesting. Without any prompting, I've seen this so many times now, Emma, it's like, what can I see at the beginning of the week? What can I feel towards the end of the week? The only explanation I've got for this is that the God who is everywhere has come here. Yeah. And, and, and these pupils, these staff are trying to find words to describe the the numinous, the, the mystery, mm. the sense of the presence of God. And is it any wonder that lives get changed just a little bit as a result of that? So yeah. oh Phil, thank you so much for sharing what Prayer Spaces in Schools is all about, uh, the significance and the importance of building those relationships with our schools. 
Uh, it really has been fantastic talking with you this morning. Phil, where can people go? If people want to uh, follow up on this, find out more about prayer spaces in schools, where can they go? Who can they talk to? Uh, what would you recommend? Uh, a good place to go is the freshly designed prayer spaces in schools website which you can find surprisingly enough at www.prayerspacesinschools.com um, we've done everything we can to fill that website with loads of stories from schools just like yours um, secondary schools primary schools church schools stage schools so there's lots of testimony stories from pupils from those running the, the prayer spaces from staff as well um, and then there's masses of resources. There's probably, I don't know, 200 different prayer activities that you could download for free for the princely sum of your email address. Sign up, you can have the lot. Um, so there's loads of activities that have been tried and tested. Don't, I mean, don't try and create new ones yet. Start with what works and then get creative. You know, even better, get pupils to help you making new prayer activities. But um, loads of activities. If I can just say really quickly, the thing you'll notice most of the some of the prayer activities are themed around sort of advent and, and easter so they're themed around calendar events that schools some schools are, are into but most of them are deliberately themed around the everyday lives of young people so they're themed around asking big questions what do i do with my worries you know I, how do i handle my relationships what do i do about homelessness you know the stuff of everyday lives the activities they're not designed to teach bible stories what we're trying to do is start with the love start with the everyday experience of these young people and then help them to reflect and figure out where is god in this so loads of activities um there's a few education guides i'd really recommend if you're thinking about running a prayer space for the first time there's a couple of guides that'd be well worth you reading if you're in england uh, or wales there's a guide called Prayer Spaces in Schools and SMSC, which stands for Spiritual, Moral, Social and Cultural Learning. Um, all schools, whether they're church schools or state schools, are expected by Ofsted to provide spiritual, moral, social and cultural learning. And a prayer space sits smack in the middle of all of that. So it really helps to understand some of the educational language. Um, so you can describe what you're offering as a way of helping the school to deliver what it's expected to deliver in the first place. It is a blessing to them. And then a final thing I'd say is there's, what we've created is a nine step guide to setting up your prayer space. Um, and there's masses of practical advice about building a relationship with a school. Who do you want on your team? How to publicize it? What to do at the end? You know, all sorts of really practical advice. It's all there on the website. And if you can't find what you're looking for, send us a message and we'll find someone who does, can give you what you're looking for. <laughs> oh, Phil, it has been wonderful this morning. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you for all that you are doing. And uh, as a Baptist movement, we will continue to pray for prayer spaces in schools. And uh, I just really hope that as a result of this podcast, that uh, we'll see prayer spaces in schools popping up uh, all over the place, uh, in addition to the, the millions that are already uh, going. Thank yeah. you so, so much. Take care. Thanks, Emma. God bless.
was so good hearing from him. He has so much to say and so much wisdom. And I, I love the way that he kind of, there's a lot of theology in there. And I, I, that really, yeah, it moved me and inspired me. Um, but so thanks, Emma, for that. You must have really enjoyed um, talking to him and, and hearing from him. Oh, it was amazing to interview Phil. Uh, it was the most inspired hour that I've spent in, in quite some time. And I really did enjoy it. For our listeners, I just, you know, I wonder what stood out for them. Um, I wonder maybe as as our listeners were grasping and, and taking on board all those things that Phil was saying, I wonder if now there is a next step. Um, and I wonder, I wonder maybe who else might join this conversation as we think about prayer spaces and as we move forward through 2021 into 2022. Uh, so many questions. So thank you for joining with us for our very first um, podcast. And we look forward to joining with you next week. For joining the dots. Mm -hmm.